Welcome to Bayside's podcast. Our prayer is that this message will bring you some love, truth and life into all that you do. But in the process of talking about the cross, it's always good to got to stand still. I watched myself after I preached and he said, stand still, man. So I'm going to stand still. No, no. It's always good to revisit our understanding of what we believe so that we are able to give a good account of our faith. And in thinking and in, in coming before the Lord and asking, what do you want to talk about this morning? And I just felt the Lord said, I want you to revisit some things, some things that we might not have forgotten, but we've just put out of our minds, especially when we are talking to people that might not know Jesus. Some of you might not have heard about what we're doing and what we're going to talk about today. So I hope it is a huge encouragement to you. There'll be some things that we talk about that are um, not, not as nice as some other things that we could talk about. Um, there are some realities in our existence, but they are... Um, pale, pale into insignificance compared to the goodness of our God. So I want to start off with a brief overview of man's history. And this will be brief because I want to focus on what Jesus' sacrifice means to us all. It is important to know what we are saved from. And I just want to touch on that a bit this morning. So many of the things I could mention we could spend years talking about. And there's so much I've left out. But my focus this morning is on the cross. And not the piece of wood. It's on the person who was nailed to it for that brief time. And the eternity of goodness that he accomplished by that. Right, I got it on two pages, so it was starting to confuse me. So we're going to start with, who is God? God is eternal and perfect, perfectly good, perfectly just, fair and without sin. But God cannot sin, as this then would make him imperfect. God is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. Everything that is love emanates from him. He is the triune God, meaning he is one God with three distinct personalities. Father, Jesus the begotten, which means he is God. Okay? Begotten, and I can go into a whole thing about that, but let's, let's just make it clear that Jesus is God. And, of course, the wonderful Holy Spirit that we felt his presence with us this morning. God created the heavens and the earth. Because God is love and loves creating, he wanted to share his love. So he created us a place for us to live. And you can read about that in Genesis 1. I'm going to be giving lots of scriptures this morning. If you want my notes later, you are quite welcome to them, okay? He wanted to share his love, so he created us and a place to live. From a biblical perspective, that was around 6,000 years ago. 
So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I want to talk quickly about choice, because this is um, quite uh, important in what we're talking about this morning. True love means that God had to give us choice. We have the choice, and this has been from the beginning of time, we have the choice to love him, or we have the choice to reject him. I never want God's job. He had to make the decision to create people even though he knew many would not choose him. But if he did not create us, none of us would be here. And that would have been eternally unjust for those who do choose him, which is us. Thank you, Jesus. So that's something to talk about over lunch, okay? So God created Adam and Eve and gave them a beautiful garden to live in with everything that they could ever need, and they had full access to God whenever they wanted. God gave them dominion over the earth. He said, go, see all the animals that I've created, you go name them all. He told them that they can eat from every tree in the garden except one, and that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I've often asked God, Lord, why did you put that tree in the garden? It's caused so much issues and trouble and anxiety and pain. And he said, son, I must give everyone choice. The angels and the enemy. Before creation... And the Bible doesn't exactly say when, but we can work out that it was, it was before creation that he created beautiful beings called angels who also had choice. One particular one called Lucifer or the devil or the enemy was magnificent, the most beautiful of all angels, but he became full of pride and thought he was better than God and he wanted to be God. Now, the Father had given the job of creation to Jesus, and we can read about that in Colossians 1.16. And it's thought um, that Satan may have become jealous, and perhaps he didn't want to be under the rule of man. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. And so he corrupted approximately one-third of the other angels with him so that the Lord eventually had to banish him from heaven. And you can read about that in Ezekiel 28, 12 to 15, and Isaiah 14, 12 to 15. Revelation 12, 9 says, And that great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Satan hates God, and he hates us and does everything he can to get in the way of God's plan for us. But more on that later. 1 John 3.8 says, Whoever makes a practice, I mean you're going for it, and you're really, really encouraged and zealed about it, of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. 
Eden and some really bad choices. So we go back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were enjoying the full benefits of the Garden of Eden, a place where they could roam freely and have complete connection to God. Now Satan, who is now banished to earth, comes in the form of a serpent. He tempts Eve, and Eve then tempts Adam to eat of the tree of good and evil, saying, this is the enemy. And he hasn't stopped saying this rubbish since then. God knows that your eyes will be opened. As soon as you eat. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. You will become like God. And throughout history, he has been saying that same rubbish. I don't know if ever anyone has ever wished that they haven't seen something. <laughs> I certainly have. And I'm sure after that occasion, they certainly wish they hadn't. They thought that they were missing out on something. Therefore, they ate. They took their trust away from God, supposing he wasn't perfectly good. Now, this is sin, because God told them not to eat of the tree. And in the process, they handed them a dominion of earth over to Satan. They also created a huge chasm of sin and debt between themselves and God. And they were separated from God, which means, unfortunately, that all mankind was separated from God. And we all became spiritually dead. The first part of Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And there's more to that verse, but we'll get to that a little later. Adam and Eve had made a choice. But a choice God knew they would make. They were banished from the perfect Eden and the world became corrupt. But God had a plan. So we now jump very roughly around 2,700 years and there's a lot happened in that time. There was the creation of the nation of Israel. There was a whole bunch of things that happened during that time. But that's for another sermon. So there needed to be a set of rules put in place for people to realize that they were doing the wrong thing and that they were spiritually dead. And through a series of events, the law or the Ten Commandments was put in place. And Moses was instrumental in that. To make right or atone for these sins, man had to make sacrifices of the animals to the Lord. For at that time... Sin was made right by the shedding of blood, and they did this by the sacrifice of animals. Now, I'm going to try and get through this quickly, because this is something that we don't like talking about, but unfortunately, it is a reality. The consequences of sin are disobeying God's law. It only takes one sin to become unworthy of salvation. Fortunately, we are born into it. Romans 5.15 says, 5, says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. Without salvation, those who do not choose God are going to a place called hell. Hell is very real and it is the worst of places. 
There's no party with the cool guys. Hell is complete separation from God forever. No good, no love, no beauty, just total anguish and suffering and total darkness. Now, we do not want anyone to go there. Don't want anyone to go there. And can I say, you have to be hell-bent, can I use that, in getting there. Because Jesus has put his everything into making sure that we don't have to go there. From us as Christians, and is our hope and our joy to be able to tell people about our faith and the goodness of God. Spurgeon said, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap over our bodies. If they perish, let them perish with our arms tightly grasped around their knees. Let no one go there unwarned or unprayed for. And our prayers are powerful, people. They are powerful. And we can pray for everyone that we see. I don't know. If, sometimes I'm driving in the car and someone will cut me off and I go, and then I go, Lord, I pray for their salvation. Now, if they are already saved, that's wonderful. I just pray a blessing for them. But... So that's the yucky stuff, okay? We need to know where we came from. But now I want to talk about the good news. God is perfect. His perfect wisdom has been from the beginning of time and for all eternity before that. He had already made a way for all people to be made righteous again. Have a drink. I don't want to stumble on any of this stuff because it's sensational. Romans 5.15 again. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, this other saviour, this other Lord. Jesus Christ, or the same Lord. Sorry, I'll get myself in trouble if I say things like that. Jesus is this perfect son of God. He came into the world to show us how to really live, to show who the Father really is, and to show the extent of our heavenly Father's love. For the Father gave his only begotten son to pay for all our sins by being the perfect sacrifice in giving his life for us. Jesus was crucified on the cross the most detestable way a person could be killed at that time. But Jesus did it willingly. Now, the Bible only infers this, but we can suppose that Satan thought he had won an amazing victory. He's dead. He's out the way. However, he was faced with the realisation that that was the plan the whole time and that he had been eternally defeated. Jesus, through his sacrifice, won back our righteousness. Yes, that's so good to 
Colossians 2.14 says, He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them at the cross. Amen. I want to read, and we'll talk about now grace and faith. Good stuff. I want to read from uh, Romans 3, 19 to 31. And I want to pick out some truths with this, okay? Because there's some stuff we've got to get right in our heads and our hearts. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it has been given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. What translation's that up there, lovey? Have you got NLT? Or is that a whole... Anyway, it says the same kind of thing. Maybe listen to what I'm saying. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from. That's not in there, but I'm just emphasizing that again. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. He freed us from the penalties of our sin. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead, including them in what he would do in that present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness For he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we haven't done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and by not obeying the law. After all, God is the God of Jews only, isn't he? He is all, after all, God is the God... I'll start again. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. We're including everyone. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith. 
whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Okay? Such good words. Now, there are truths in this passage that we need to have a good grasp for ourselves and when we're speaking about faith. And you might have said, I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again. We are not made right by trying to obey the law. We are made right by having faith in Jesus and fully accepting that he paid the price for our sins by dying on the cross. We don't get to spend eternity with God by being a good person. I'm not a good person. I try hard, but none of us are good. Thank God we are saved by grace through our faith in Jesus. I get upset about people getting other stuff like computers and chairs and all that kind of stuff. I am, can I just say, that was a joke and I am well, well catered for. And no, and I don't think you'll ever, unless I see some injustice, my face never usually looks like that, okay? Sin doesn't keep us out of heaven. Say that again. Sin doesn't keep us out of heaven. Unbelief in Jesus does. And that is so important. Amen. And that is so important when we are talking to people. um, Because as I'm talking to people, as being a pastor, everyone has different personalities, okay? There are some people that are so down on themselves, you have to dig for a week to try and get them back up. And what we don't want people... We want people to know that there is hell and there's that, kind of, there's that consequence. But the more we want is to know that people are accepted just as they are. Jesus' sacrifice was an eternal one for all those before us and all those yet to come. There is far more to the cross than our sins than being forgiven. Though that is stupendous, there is far more to the cross than that. Salvation through Jesus means we have all the benefits of being the Father's adopted sons and daughters. Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Matthew one twenty one says, and this is the angel Gabriel talking to Mary before Jesus um, was born. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now that word save in the Greek is probably not pronounced right, but sozo, okay? And that means to save, that is to deliver or protect literally or figuratively, to heal, to preserve, to save, to do well, 
and to be made whole. So 10 things Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. And we'll fire through these because... um, But they are the word. And so let that... Let that wash over you. Jesus removed our sin and guilt. John 29. And the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him, the first time that he'd seen. And he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus removed God's punishment or wrath on us. But God did this, the cross, giving his son. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is just and fair. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. We're completely reconciled to God. Sin put this huge chasm. Now there's nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. You can name whatever and try whatever and say whatever to suggest otherwise, but it is just not true. Romans 5, 10 to 11 says, Now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends. And that word in the NLT I think is too, a little bit too light. He has made us his children and his heirs. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If we are in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We are new creations, completely new. And again, that's something that I could spend weeks preaching on. Just know that you are new. Who we are in Jesus? We are a chosen people. A royal priesthood a holy nation, God's very own possession. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're called out of darkness into his wonderful light. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law and the power of sin. And I just want to spend two secs on this. The enemy has no claim over us anymore. For Christ defeated the powers of sin and darkness. We can resist the devil and he will flee. And preparing for this, one night there was some rotten thing on me filling my head with junk and I woke up and my mouth and my spirit was saying, get off me in the name of Jesus. Because they have no right, no powers of darkness, have right to hassle you. You have the authority in Jesus. It's Jesus' authority, not yours. But we have his authority to speak over the enemy. Just as a little example, there was the story of Derwent, who worked at Dodgy Deals and Sons. His boss was a slave driver and an awful employer. He then got invited to work at Love, truth, and life industries. The bosses were a dream. So do you suppose if the boss of, I'll get it right again, Dodgy Deals and Sons comes over to a man and says, you've got to do what I say, 
Where's the reality in him doing that? In our past life, and before we were saved, the enemy had a right to punch us and do what he wanted to do, but he doesn't anymore. Do not take a second of the junk that he might try and put on you because we are sons and daughters of the living God. We are eternally in credit. Ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door shall be opened. Seek and you will find. For everything that you pray in my name, I will give to you. We have the resources of heaven open to us. And I mean, I don't know, go praying for a Lamborghini or stuff like that. Um, we won't go down that road. Uh, we won't go down that road. Let me get, no. um, but the things that God has given us, he put seeds in us, and I could preach about this for, forever, but he's put seeds in us of good things for us to look forward to and to um, see real changes in our loved ones and our friends' lives and, and our life in general. And those things are just open for us to, to pray for. The Father gives us good gifts. James 1.17 All grace abounds, having sufficiency in all things, at all times, so that we can abound. I love that word, abound. It gets you really, yeah, I'm gonna, we're going to abound. I don't know, got carried away then. <laughs> having, having sufficiency in all things at all times, so we can abound in every good work. As we experienced this morning, and I hope you did experience this morning if, if you have a sickness, he is our healer. Isaiah 53, 5-8. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. He is our helper, our guide, our comforter, and our strength. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We get to help Jesus advance his kingdom. That is one of the joys that we have that we can talk to people about what Jesus has done in us. We don't have to be huge scholarly academic um, U-buttes. Uh, I'm certainly a, a huge scholarly U-butte. But I, I, I know that at the time, Jesus will give me the strength to be able to speak. And the most beautiful all, finishing with this, Jesus is coming back to take us to be with him in glory for all eternity. When we die, we get brand new bodies. We go to be with him in paradise. And when it's time, he will make a brand new heaven for us. He has made us amazing places to live and we get to worship him and enjoy him forever. In summary, God's plan for us as his children is a masterpiece. He is eternally good and he has made a way for us to be with him, to enjoy him forever. What Christ accomplished on the cross for us was complete and eternally sufficient. Thank you, 
Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. This morning, I want us to close our eyes. And if you do not know Jesus or what I've talked about, you have not experienced the joy, the wonder, his amazing presence. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. As I pray, pray after me. Lord, we thank you for your wonderful sacrifice on the cross. Lord, we thank you that the gates of heaven and our eternity are wide open for us to accept and to enjoy forever. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you for what it accomplished for us. And Lord, we accept you always as our Lord and Saviour because you are eternally good. And we pray this in your precious and wonderful name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can visit us at baysidechurch.org.au or listen to any more of our podcasts on your favourite listening app.